G'day guys, this is part one of a three-part series with Mario McKenna. If you have any questions, let me know. Otherwise, sit back and enjoy. Hi and welcome to Karate Over Coffee. My name is Shane McMahon and I'm your host. This is a podcast dedicated to my experiences in karate. I started karate as soon as I could walk. My parents owned a full-time dojo, so I literally grew up in the dojo as our house was on top. I've lived and breathed karate my whole life. I've trained with some really amazing sensei, competed for my country, and I've learned so much about the evolution and history of karate. And I'm here to share my experiences and learn. Enjoy. G'day guys, welcome back to Karate of Coffee. I've got my good friend Mario McKenna all the way from Canada. Mario, how are you, mate? Good, I'm happy to be on. Now, uh, this is a karate over coffee, so uh, we were talking about coffee earlier, but um, so I've, if you missed it, Mario, I've got my karate over coffee. Yeah, oh, okay. You can see the nice. coffee that I'm using? Uh, yeah, karate, todi. Yeah, yeah. Just, to, just to be a little bit different. Um, so how, how do you have your coffee, mate? I just take it black, but it has to be uh, good stuff. I usually buy something from a local shop down the road here called uh, 49th Parallel. So maybe someone is a karate guy there. Who knows? Maybe they'll secretly hear and give me a free coffee. Well, I, I interviewed a coffee guy next to me. I'm still waiting for my free coffee. <laughs> I think maybe him and his wife were the only two listeners to that pod, to that episode. No, no. I'm sure there's lots. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, every morning have a nice, nice, good cup of black coffee. So yeah, um, there's a guy, uh, Steve Armes, who's um, who's Canadian, and. Mm -hmm. uh, He's on Facebook always, every day, putting something up about coffee. Every oh, nice. every every morning, there's a different photo or um, something about uh, always about uh, coffee. So um, oh, okay, but yeah, like my yeah, if I don't have coffee, I, I can't function without coffee. So um, yeah, I'm pretty much in the morning, I can't really function too good without it. Well, you know uh, what I've noticed in the last maybe ten years is coffee is so much better than it was. Uh, and there's more, mm. you know, very similar to beer. You know, you've got mm -hmm. your pale ales, your IPAs, you know. Yeah. There's way more selection for coffee. You know, Rattlers, yeah. Yeah, it used to be like Nescafe, when 43, international roast in Australia, just really freeze-dried. Macona was the yeah. go-to. Mm -hmm. Now, now I, I couldn't even drink that stuff. You know, growing up, I wasn't a coffee drinker because, you know, my folks are from Ireland. So at home, it was always tea, right? Mm. And then I didn't really still start drinking coffee till I uh, moved to Japan. Because I think that was the first time I had like a really good cup of coffee. Yeah. With, you know, a lot of flavor. Well, Jap yeah, Japanese coffee is generally the uh, drip coffee in the mm -hmm. paper cup, paper little net thing. Yeah. Um, but just, just like Japanese culture, you need patience. It, it, it teaches, yeah. teaches you something, right? Always, there's always yeah. a kata involved. In yeah, the, there's always a, the way. There's right? always and the then, way. You know, and I'm paying 10 bucks for this coffee, so I better take good. Coffee do, coffee do. Uh, yeah. Vietnamese coffee, mate. I love Vietnamese coffee. Yeah, love it too. Yeah. Uh, I can only do one because it makes, it's pretty, uh, that sugar and that caffeine hit are pretty, pretty severe. Oh yeah, that yeah that type of coffee I'm not, not a big fan of, like the uh, condensed. Oh, the iced coffee? You don't like the the, the condensed milk? Nah, and, uh, it's and just the ice too, and... it's just too sweet. Like since mm. since um, my wife is Korean, 
So we don't have a lot. Mm. So they don't have a lot of sweet things. So, so now uh, if something's too like if it's sweet, I I yeah. struggle to, to to eat it. But um, but just black Vietnamese coffee. Oh, it's nutty. Yeah. Like the smell takes me back to yeah, Vietnam. It's good stuff. Um, yeah. The best coffee I had was Indonesia, and that was the oh. um, little animal that. Does a bit bit of a poop. Oh, poop. the squirrel kind of animal. Yeah, that poops yeah, out yeah. The, the bean. Yeah, that coffee. Oh man! Like once you get over the fact that, you know, <laughs> you're drinking someone's <laughs> drinking someone's shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's great, very good. But anyway, uh, let's get back to this is karate. Yeah, sorry, sorry over coffee. Not not coffee yeah, over karate. Not coffee. We're not we're not coffee entrepreneurs. No, that's right. Well. Just karate entrepreneurs, but uh, how did how did how did you start in karate? How did you? Uh, Nineteen eighty-four, grade ten. A friend of mine said, "Hey, you want to do karate?" And I was more interested in judo, so I was going to try and sign up for judo, but I had missed the registration. So then I ended up going with my friend to uh, the karate school where he was interested in going. Was it? A, um, and it was, was a Shotokan school. Shotokan, okay. So this was in Canada, uh, 1984, and it was in uh, a town called Lethbridge, which was uh, in Alberta, the province of Alberta. So, yep. <clears throat> yeah, so it was it was pretty rigid, you know, typical kind of Shotokan, right? But in the 80s, Shotokan. Enough that I like, yeah, like <laughs> it was interesting enough that I stuck it out. I thought yep. it was okay, and then I just kind of persevered. But then the dojo collapsed six months in oh, okay. i think it was and the reason being is the um the instructor was a was an rcmp member royal canadian mounted police oh okay and so he was transferred and then since the, the the school was so young there wasn't really anyone senior enough mm. to keep it going it sort of just sort of just fell apart okay and yeah where'd you go from there and then, then my seniors were talking about um, like, you know, alternatives because the dojo was closing, right? And <clears throat> so there was a, an Okinawan Goju um, dojo in the city that I didn't know about. And so they had mentioned it and then I went and checked that out and gave it a go and, and liked it. It was so different from the, from the Shotokan that I had been doing for such a brief time, right? Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, much more relaxed. Like you still had to work hard, but um, no one was barking at you, right? No one was screaming at you. You weren't marching up and down the dojo, right? Yeah, not not three K karate. Um, what was eighties? So, oh, so it was yes. still a lot of kihon, <laughs> still a lot of kata, and still it was still three K. But yeah. it was just uh, just the, the vibe of the atmosphere of the dojo was quite more uh, relaxed. Right? Okay. You were expected to push, but no one was going to push you. Yeah. You had to push yourself, right? If you yeah. wanted to get good. And so, and that was Kinjo Sensei. He was originally from Okinawa. Okay. And he's, is this the Naka Dojo? Is that what it's called? Uh, he's Gohakai, Gohakuryu. Okay. Right? So his teacher is Tokashiki Iken. So Kinjo Sensei mostly taught the Goju Kata from the, their line is um, Kuchiseiko and then from uh, Higaseiko to Miyagi, right? So that's basically their line. So their they're Goju is not identical, but it's similar enough, right? Yep. 
And like Hokama Tetsuhiro comes from that lineage, right? From Fukuchi Sensei. So okay. it's almost identical to what he was doing. <clears throat> but uh, Tokashiki was also, had learned, um, he called it Tomorite from Nakasone Seiyu, right? That was the first style he learned. And then he taught both of them in tandem. Okay. But Kinjo Sensei, for the most part, he only really taught the Goju piece, at least when I was a student. Um, and then how long, did, how long did you train there and how did you get to Japan? Oh, okay. So I trained 84, 84 to 91, 92, so six, seven years, maybe a little bit longer. And then I made a, I made a trip to Okinawa first time in 88 to go to the Gohakai Hombu Dojo. Um, and that was for six months, maybe a little bit longer, right? So I was like, went there and then I came back and then trained a bit more. And then, uh, then in 90, I think it was 91 or 92, I went to graduate school, right? So I had to do my master's degree. And I was in the next province over. So that was Saskatchewan, right? So I went from Alberta to go east and the next province over is Saskatchewan. So I was there for just under two years. I didn't do much training. What is graduate school? We don't have, you know, master's degree. Uh, after, after you, you, know, you, after your bachelor's, after you, oh, okay, right? okay. So you do your four year uni and then you can do your honors. And then after that, you can do like a graduate level degree for a master's. Okay. And then yeah. after that, three more years and you can do like a PhD. Yep. Yeah. Okay. What were you, what, what did you study at uni? Uh, sports science, sports psychology. Yeah. <clears throat> so I did that for two years and then I, uh, graduated and then I liked my experience in Japan so much. I went back um in uh the summer of 94 so i was only going to go for a year and some change i thought just to go you know do a little bit of teaching yeah. Yeah. you know teach some english or something hang out learn learn and then try and study some more um uh martial arts right yeah and yeah. then one year became uh eight and a half nine i don't know somewhere yeah. in there and then every year you go back well, not at the moment. And then pretty, yeah, I, I ended up getting married. I got a job. I started settling down. But when I hit my 30s, I just kind of have had enough. Mm. Um, so it's a separate story. But I just kind of was like, you know, I'm feeling a bit burnt out. And so I talked to my wife and she's like, sure, we'll go back to Canada. And we'll just, I said, look, we'll go for a couple of years. If you don't like it, we'll just move back. It's no big deal. Yeah. And we moved here and she kind of liked it. So we stayed. How long have you been back for? 20 years or so? 20 years now, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so now I'm thinking the opposite. Like when I retire, maybe it's time to move back to Japan. Yeah, yeah. which is which is really strange because most people would want to uh, retire and move to Canada, right? Yeah, I, was, I loved Japan. I just didn't... I think the reason I was starting to burn out is because the work culture is so intense. Mm, yeah. And that work-life balance is really hard. Yeah. Maybe it's better now, but in the late 90s and early 2000s, it was pretty, pretty tough. At yeah. least, you know, for me, I thought it was. What, what, what were you doing in... Japan? So initially, I did just did the teaching English bit, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which is fine. But eventually, um, I started working at Nagasaki Heavy Industries for the Department of um, Human Resources, right? Mm -hmm. For the HR. Right? Yeah. 
And that, those were long days. So, you know, <clears throat> Monday to Friday, you know, on, on paper, it's nine to five, but you know, it's yeah. like maybe like 8.30 to 7, 7.30, and then your boss wants to go drinking after in that stereotypical fashion. And you can't say no. You can't say no. And then it was a half day on, it was a half day on Saturday. Oh, okay. Which ended up being a full day. Yeah. Yeah. Unpaid. So, yeah, it was tough. I, I just, near the end, I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I lived in Korea for two years in Seoul. Yeah. I'm sure it's similar. Yeah. Two years was enough for me. Man. I, I just, I had enough. To, I, I, could, I couldn't imagine eight years. No way. Like, well, you know, our good friend, Joe Swift, like he's, he's been there 20 years. <laughs> I'm like, wow. He can barely speak English. All anymore. the power to him. Pardon? He can hardly speak English. He just needs a gentle, gentle, remember, you know, prodding, poking to remember, right? You know? yeah, yeah. And then the, you know, the, the software and the hardware kicks in again. Well, the one, one thing I, yeah, Tokyo, Japan, Korea, same as the, the amount of people. We both come from a pretty a big country with, with a small, smallish population. Mm-hmm. And when you go to, to Tokyo or Seoul, it's just people everywhere. You just, you just can't get away. Like you can't yeah. get on a bus by yourself. You can't go on the subway by yourself. It's just somewhere. No, like I, I lived in Nagasaki, but by Japanese standards, Nagasaki was small. It's a population like half a million people, right? Yeah. (laughs) By Canadian standards, that's a that's a huge city. A metropolis. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I I can understand your frustration. Um, But where did you move to first, and how how did you? So because I was teaching English, it was through the JET program. Okay. Right, you've heard of that in Japan, yeah, yeah. English teaching exchange program, right? They, they just put you so. I put like, on your application, you can list your top three places you want to go, right? Mm-hmm. So I went Okinawa, Okinawa, Okinawa. Yeah. <laughs> so thinking I'd get Okinawa, right? Yeah. And kinda, I got three islands up. I got Amamiyoshima, yeah. which was originally part of Okinawa Prefecture, but then was um, you know given back to Kagoshima after the war, right? Or it was part of it was kind of assumed under Kagoshima Prefecture and the Americans. And anyway, it's a long story. So there, I ended up um, learning mostly. I kind of focused on Kabuto uh, yeah. when I was on the island because my Shinko? there was a teacher there that was pardon. Is it Shinko Shinko Kai? The Riku. Yeah, Shinko Kai. Right. So they're a branch of. So my teacher was a student of Taira Shinken. Yep. Okay. And he was part of the, and then when they, you know, just like anything, when Taira Sensei passed away, they were all kind of one unified group under the Yuku Kabuto Hozon Shinkokai, right? Yeah. And they sort of kept together for a while and then they all started splintering and, you know, typically what happens, they splinter yeah. in, into a, a million pieces. So yeah. I didn't, care i just was interested in kabuto and i started studying with uh, minoa sensei when i was there and yeah it was, it was a great experience was he doing weichiru he was a weichi in yeah he was a weichiru uh teacher as well his teacher was weichi kanye yeah okay, so, well yeah so he had a pretty good yeah. uh, pedigree if you're kind of yeah. into that um i just kind of cared more that of him as an instructor <clears throat> and he was 
he was pretty old school, you know, but he was still a good instructor and he was pretty knowledgeable. Did you do Weichi um, with him as well? I did, but very reluctantly. And I try and I dodged it for maybe four or five months. I just kept saying, no, I don't want to do it. I just want to do Kabuto. I kept telling him I'm a Goju guy. It's my thing. <laughs> and then he just kept pestering me. Yeah. That's not a good choice of words. He just kept asking me mm. and I kept saying no. And then finally I just said, okay, I'll give it a go since why not? He goes, you've got nothing to lose. Why don't you just try it? And he goes, you know, if you, after you leave, if you leave, do what you want with it. And I'm like, okay. And I did. So I did a little bit of Weichi for a while. Yep. What, what did you think? Pain. It's like the house of pain. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Those guys are so well conditioned so so well conditioned i was so impressed and i learned a ton from them um just amazing amazing guys just the style just the beauty of the simplicity of the style and its efficiency is just fantastic mm. and the absolutely the, fantastic the small amount of kata yeah the small amount of kata the emphasis emphasis on conditioning the emphasis on close and fighting the emphasis emphasis on kumite almost from the outset right in the, in the, at least in the witch Kanye lineage, right? And they have, you know, decent two-person pre-arranged kumite too, right? Yeah. Um, like, I always joke to my students, like, um, a year of Goju-ryu will probably get you killed in a fight, but a year in Weichi, you'll be able to survive. You'll be doing the killing. You'll be able to survive at least the encounter, right? You know, they, they have their you know, pluses and minus, their merits and their, you know, deficits. And in the end, they, they do even out. But at the outset, just given the base of the two different kind of bases that they work from, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, so so from there, how, uh, how did you get, I, I suppose you, you're probably more, uh, for those who don't know you, you're a bit more famous. Um, I mean, not famous is not the right word, but infamous. More, that's infamous. a better word, infamous, <laughs> infamous for Toon. Yeah, for Toon Ru, right? So, yeah. How, how did you get, yeah, how did you? That? Um, I had vaguely known about the style because, um, oddly enough, I don't know, like there's an old book by George Alexander, you know, with teacher bios in it, and it had one about Kyoto Juhatsu, right? Which was yeah. the founder of Toon, right? Toon. Yep. And I remember way back in my grad school days, um, remember like it wasn't the internet, it was just sort of like a message board and like the yep. green or black and white screens and everything was just text, right? And I remember it was one on karate and what was it called again? I don't remember. And I had asked about Toan Yu and nobody knew what I was talking about. Mm. So, but the, the name and the style, because it said, you know, oh, he was a student with Miyagi Chojin under Higona Kanyo, and I like Goju, so I figured I might as well try and find something about it. Nope, couldn't find anything. Okay. Um, but oddly enough, I, I wrote Patrick McCarthy and asked him, like, do you know anything? And he said, oh. Sure. And he gave me the, the address of the headmaster, Kanzaki-sensei. Okay. Right? Yep. Yeah, but here's, here's the rub. So I'm still on Amami at the time. And uh, he gave me the address, and I lost it. 
And I was so embarrassed that I did not want to email ask him again. or sorry, write him again, write him or ask him again. Could you please mind resending it? Cause I lost it like a, like a dummy. And I just waited until I started my job in Nagasaki. So I, I got my job in Nagasaki at Mitsubishi and I started working there. And then I, I started trying to figure out more about Toan again. And then that's when, um, Joe Swift told me, oh, you should go to, uh, like, this was just a separate conversation. It had nothing to do with Toan, but he said, you should go to Fukuoka and talk to Murakami-sensei, mm. right? He's got a lot of experience. <clears throat> He's a really interesting guy. Even if you just have a coffee with him, he's just a great guy to talk to. So I said, okay. So I went to Fukuoka and I met Murakami-sensei and really, really just generous man. Very insightful, very knowledgeable, wrote tons of books on karate and kubudo mm. but when i he he his dojo is by his house and so when he took me to um show me his dojo on the front like there's the placards right the yep in the in the, in the characters and one side it says shodin because he's was a show, predominantly a shodin you instructor and the other side it said toan you <laughs> and i went what <laughs> I just, my jaw hit the ground. I had no idea. And so I just started chatting with him and said, Hey, um, didn't know you did toe on you. And then he said, yeah, I did a little bit in the fifties and I learned a little bit from Kyoto sensei and this, that, and the other. And I said, great. Will you teach me? And he said, no. Fair enough. <laughs> shut, he just shut me down in like two seconds. He, he just went, Nope, not going to teach it to you. I'm like, and I thought like, okay, did I hear that wrong? And I so stupidly asked again. And he said, I, ha I haven't even taught my own children. I'm not going to teach you. Yeah. I went, oh, okay. Point taken, just leave it alone. Didn't push it. Did he, did he say why? Or just, nope. okay. No, it's just, because it's a first meeting, right? And so yeah, yeah. You, just, you don't want to make anyone feel awkward and especially like you know it's japan the person's much much older you much more respected i'm in his home and his dojo so i'm not going to cause it come on bro just teach me yeah like what's the point <laughs> oh, you've got the end and then, yeah it's like you got the sign i don't get it and then um yeah and then uh i went back a while later and then at the end of our meeting he said he handed me a piece of paper and he said if you want to learn toanju talk to kanzaki sensei so the exact same address that i had lost a year ago is Perfect. now back in my hands so please maybe it's kind of weird that way please tell me you didn't uh didn't lose that one and this time i didn't lose it <laughs> back then back then it would have been handy to have a uh a camera phone so you can just take a photo yeah it would have been handle i just right? take up my phone and then just yeah. take a picture right yeah 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 so have, so, have you yeah so uh, uh, sorry go ahead have you spoken have you been back to murakami or is he still around? i he's still around i i i think he just turned 90 uh I had just sent, I think he just turned 95. So, so many so, years left. Yeah, because I had sent him a birthday card greeting. Okay. Because he was born in, yeah, 28, I think. 28 or 27. Sorry, 27. So he's 95. Okay. <clears throat> Probably still teaching too. 
Um, I think the only thing he's doing now is he just does his own thing. Like he does a little bit of Tai Chi and stuff like that every now and then. Yeah. Uh, well, well uh, hopefully he taught somebody his, his thorn, right? He does. A couple of his students are still, um, are still teaching. So I'm, okay. I'm hoping to get to Japan this year in the fall maybe or the winter. And uh, I'm hoping to be able to at least uh, drop by and say hello. The winter, yeah, okay, of this year? Like November, I'm thinking like November of this year. Okay. That's the plan, at least when I talk to my wife. But it all really just depends on how things, uh, well, if you, how, if you how wait, open Japan wants to be. Yeah, if you wait two months, why don't you go in January? Because that's when I'm going. Oh, okay, okay. We can, we can Maybe I'll half, just go and, and just stay. Yeah. Oh, just, just on that, um, we'll... I was talking to Mario earlier. Mario, uh, my father invited Mario to Brisbane in 2001. I think we, we said, wasn't it? 2001. And if you, if people listen to my episode earlier, two things. One, I was talking to a guy named um, Josh Simmers, who has an Okinawan Karate podcast. And, okay. And the only, only podcast on Okinawa. Anyway, that's, that's his tagline. And uh, anyway, he asked me who, who would I like uh, to come onto my podcast? And I said, I said, oh, I'd love to have Mario McKenna because I'd had spoken to him on and off for, for a while, but hadn't spoken to him for, for ages. So he was a bit of a recluse. So I would love to have him on my podcast. So boom, here we are. And then I was telling him a funny story about when you were here in Australia that I got you so drunk the night before, we, you almost missed your flight. Oh, uh, yeah, that's really good. It was, it was funny because back, back then, you would have been, you would have been 30. I would have been like 31. 31. Like, 32. It's like such a baby. You would have been like 20, 21. Nin, 19, yeah, 19, 20. 19, yeah, yeah. 20. And, yeah. and uh, like even 31 is still such a baby, right? And uh, I think. It's old, I, yeah. I thought, oh, this guy's old. I mean, he's he's mature like he you know he's uh no he's no. so far more, more mature than i and no because we were drinking we were drinking scotch and scotch, scotch yeah. and, and you're like i'm not good drinking that. i want like, i'll only drink 12 or 18 year old scotch and looking <laughs> back like yeah of course i <laughs> who wouldn't <laughs> who, who wouldn't want to drink that but uh at that time i yeah um it was, yeah, so yeah, great, great to have you to have you on. And I, no, I appreciate it. You've listened to a lot of my episodes. No, I've I've caught up. I, I went back <laughs> and I listened to a few. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. You have a nice nice presentation style. Just like my karate mate, very relaxed. There Excellent. Is, there is no us in my dojo. Yeah, no, no using. No, no using. No, no hiing. This is Australia. No high. Everyone's on a first name basis. Yeah, that's right. You, you, you can call me Shane. You don't have to call me Sensei. You know, mm-hmm. it's up, up to you. Because I, like, I know some people feel more comfortable calling me Sensei, especially mm-hmm. if, they, if they've done karate uh, somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I won't tolerate us. Like, God, it drives me. It drives me nuts. Yeah, I had a new... I had a student do that to me the other day. It's like, because he was ex-Shotokan. He's like, us. I'm like, 
Well, please don't, please don't say that. <laughs> please don't yeah. say that. Like, yeah, it's, I get the culture, but it's not my culture and this is my dojo. No, yeah, like, it's, yeah, this is, you know, like, I think there's some similarities for sure between Australia and Canadian culture and, yeah. you know, US culture too. It's like, it's a much more egalitarian, right? Sometimes. And you're not going to have that kind of militant sort of. Um, um, well, of, I, th I think it depends on who your instructor was, right? Like, true. And, and how far, and how far you mimic that instructor and how far you've come to teach your own style or your, not your own style as such like karate style but your own um your, your own personality into into your mm. training uh like I'm, yeah. a, I'm a very relaxed person so that that is my karate dojo and okay um you know we, we're very relaxed and we don't bow we don't do we do one bow and then we and then we're into it. Um, yeah, like there's, if it's not, if people aren't comfortable with it, you know, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some people want the awesome and they just don't last at my dojo. They just go somewhere else. Yeah, well, so to each his own. Each To each their own. Now, let's, let's, get, let's get back to a bit of a side note there. But uh, so how did you, how did you approach, uh, was, was he the head of, at that stage? Yeah, Kanzaki Sensei, he had kind of informally, he was the last, he was the last man standing, so to speak. He was the headmaster, right? Because um, essentially the style was inherited by Kyoto's son, Juko, right? Yep, yep. But unfortunately, Juko Sensei passed away. He had like a massive stroke in like 86. Okay. <clears throat> so and then he didn't and his kids never pursued karate they weren't interested in so there's no one left in the family so kanzaki sensei just kept going yep okay and he sort of just inherited the system and how long did you train there not long it was just like uh maybe all together in total like two years okay right yep. but it was a pretty intense two years and then when I came back, like I would go back every year almost with my wife and every year I'd go back and go study with them. Right. Yeah. So I go, you know, I'd go to my wife's in-laws, say hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, lovely to see you. Okay. All right. Walk about. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and I go and disappear. Right. I just yeah. go vanishing and go over to uh, Oita in, in Beppu, right. Which is the city and go see my teacher. Yeah. It was pretty fast because you could buy a rail pass and then you could just jump on the express trains and you can be there relatively quickly. Yeah. And so it was pretty easy to get out there. And he was retired. So he's like, I was like, when do you want to train? Like, yeah. Okay. Just jump on the train and go out and train and come back. Well, Torn is, is pretty, as he said, uh, not, not well known outside of a certain circle of, of people. Um, yeah. What, why do you th why do you think uh, because so you, you have um, Miyagi Miyagi's mm -hmm. goju is huge. Why why do you think that? Yeah. Why Kyoto's Kyoto's, never took off? Yeah. He. I think the biggest factor is he didn't stay on the island. Mm. But he went yeah, to Japan. He left. 
He went to the mainland in '44, yeah. I think. Okay. Somewhere, somewhere around there, and he didn't have a presence on the island. And as far as I know, he never went back. Yeah. Um, even for a visit, um, he he died on the mainland. He's buried on the mainland. Okay. So whereas Miyagi, you know, he he stayed on Okinawa. He was extremely well known, very well respected. Um, taught his students and his body of students, you know, the primary ones, you know, that we all know, like Higa and, mm. <clears throat> you know, Miyazato and Yagi, etc. You know, they propagated their own schools of Goju-ryu and, right? Yep. And the U.S. servicemen got involved and then that really helped ex things explode, right? And then on the Japanese mainland, you had Gogen Yamaguchi, right? Mm. Spreading Goju-kai on the mainland. So yep. Goju became a pretty well-known style. As far as I know, none of Kyoto's students really continued. He only had a handful. The most prominent was a guy called Iraha Choko. And uh, he became more of a politician uh, okay. on Okinawa and didn't really have much time for training. And as far as I know, didn't really teach anyone. Because um, I was in contact with his nephew over a number of years. And he said, no, he never really passed on the style to anybody. Right. Okay. Ironically, his his nephew <laughs> was a Goju guy, uh -huh. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Um, and then on on the mainland, when Kyoto was there, um, he really just kind of taught his son, Juko. Yeah, that was it. He was not really concerned about teaching. Like he taught some of the kids in the neighborhood, but it wasn't terribly serious. There wasn't really any adults. Was, was there friction, <clears throat> friction between Miyagi and Kyoto? Well, I hope you enjoyed part one with Mario McKenna. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to Karate Over Coffee. And if you're enjoying the podcast and in getting something out of the episodes, there are a few things you can do to help us. If you don't already subscribe to us on YouTube, please do so. We release these episodes every Friday morning, Australian time. Plus we release some smaller espresso shots during the week on both our YouTube channel and our Facebook community group. You can also subscribe to us on our Apple or Spotify. Leaving a five-star review will be very beneficial as well. If you have any suggestions or topics or feedback or anything that you want to talk about, please put it in our comment section on our Karate Over Coffee community Facebook group. If you'd like to support us, please visit our online shop where we have official Karate Over Coffee shirts, hoodies, and mugs available. Your continued support is appreciated and a vital way for the podcast to keep moving forward. Thanks, guys.